This is Norm Holy for WFHB, and today I'm interviewing uh, Professor Ellen Ketterson. She's a distinguished professor in biology, and she's going to talk about uh, an opportunity to explore climate change and its impact upon Indiana. So could you uh, please describe briefly the, uh, the nature of your opportunity? The Indiana University established a program to promote interdisciplinary research that would address society's grand problems. And they encouraged faculty to form alliances that crossed over specific disciplines to create groups with sufficient expertise to meet that charge of using university research and facilities to address societal problems that matter. And in the first competition, which wasn't the one that was just announced, but a year ago, they selected the first group for that purpose. And that one is known as the Grand Challenge Initiative Precision Medicine. And that is centered largely at the IU Medical School. And they were very specific about their deliverables. It was to cure one cancer and cure one childhood disease and make significant progress on some neurobiological disease, they hope. Now, my group, or our group, which is entitled Prepared for Environmental Change, we came in second. So we were given the opportunity to revise and reconsider and see what we had learned from our preparation of our first proposal in order to target more specifically what it was that we thought we could do for the citizens of Indiana. We think we did a good job putting together a plan for being helping Indiana be prepared for environmental change. And in doing so, uh, we formed a group that has a common vision and broad expertise. What we believe is that no one discipline uh, could have sufficient ideas that were feasible that would meet the challenge. But together, we have some very high hopes to be useful. We have three areas uh, in which we're combining our knowledge. And one is forecasting. So what's likely to happen over various periods of time with respect to climate, but not just climate, with respect to storms, with respect to diseases that are carried by, say, ticks and mosquitoes that can infect people, and that the organisms like the ticks and mosquitoes will respond to environmental change, and that will increase our exposure to diseases that were not so common in the past. So obviously, like West Nile or uh, Lyme disease, or for our agricultural situation, uh, avian flu. So the forecasting is about the climate, but it's also about the nature, pollinators that serve us, and uh, insects that challenge us, and knowing more specifically the where and when that those plants and animals will change their geographic distributions or their abundance. And that's natural science. So number one, natural science. Number two, I'm going to mention social science. And number three, I'm going to mention communication. 
So turning to the social science, I think we believe that the forecasts alone are necessary, but they're not sufficient to reduce negative impacts and enhance opportunities. And that means working with government, working with businesses, working with industry, working with non-governmental organizations, nonprofits, and individuals so that they can take this knowledge about forecasting the future and make good use of it. So the social science has been a real opportunity for me to learn uh, how do city councils work together to prepare for places that may in the future be suitable for corridors, for a safe place for wildlife, as opposed to places that are currently safe places for wildlife. You can't just um, write regulations to preserve for the present. Uh, You need to anticipate what will be effective if your goal is preservation in the future. And I think all along we're trying to address simultaneously preservation and prosperity. I'm just curious, are you actually going to have an advocate role in terms of dealing with the community governments uh, in terms of encouraging them to create these pathways that migrations can follow and other things that would um, preserve species? I would say yes to everything you said, except I'm not exactly sure just what you mean by advocacy. So what we would do is provide the information about where a good place for a corridor would be, and then maybe working with the law school, provide a new mechanism for preservation that was beneficial to the individuals who have rights in the land and also beneficial to the wildlife. So if there were tax considerations that made it easier for landowners to both preserve and prosper, uh, that's the kind of ideas that we would hope to be presenting uh, at the state level, at the community level, and, you know, over time uh, nationally. But our initial information about environmental change will tend to be Midwest-focused, and so the solutions uh, are likely to be Midwest-focused as well. I know your expertise is, uh, at least in part, on birds and flowers and migrations. So give me a, an example of things that uh, where migrations have occurred due to climate. So how capable are songbirds and other animals that pay attention to seasonal cues? Uh, how flexible are they in their reproduction? the timing of their reproduction or the timing of their migration. So some of those studies can be done in, uh, on captive animals. You can bring them in and alter the temperature or alter the food availability and see what um, proxies for reproduction and, and migration they display under different environmental conditions. We can also study them now in the field because there's so much new technology. So for a bird is small as the bird I study, the snowbird or the junco, you can put tiny little transmitters on them and they can go out, live their lives, make a migration or not, come back and you can capture their again and remove the tag and find out where they've been and when. If we now add that songbirds carry ticks and that some of the songbirds that winter down in the tropics with ticks that they picked up there. 
then we have in one study system both the benefits of preserving animals like birds that give us great pleasure and perform some ecological services like seeds need dispersing, but also are capable of uh, transporting uh, organisms that could provide a challenge to human beings. All of that is in one package when you study in the field and in captivity an organism that until recently the technology would not allow and until the Grand Challenge initiative came along wouldn't have people from the engineering school working with people from the biology school to address the same problem.